1: Everybody and welcome to episode 66 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and joining me today, first time as a solo guest on this show, along with me, Garav Vidak. What's up, man?
0: How's it going? Doing well, man. How are you?
1: Uh, you know, it was a weird week for the Braves. They're, they're playing they're playing better, but uh, obviously a, a big injury that we can talk about. But uh, I guess we can start on the bright side. They, they've won 7 of 10. I mean, they lost on Sunday in sort of a frustrating game that they had a couple of opportunities to win. But uh, Still have to kind of feel good about how they're playing despite the uh, obviously the free of injury that we'll talk about in a second. But in terms of just how they're playing, they have been playing well, which is nice.
0: Uh, seems like the emergence, a reemergence almost of Dancy Swanson, too. Been, I guess, getting normalizing that babbit a little bit, getting on base a little more. Been nice to see him get some hits. I know he's been frustrated.
1: Yeah, dancy has been like quietly. Uh... Not, I mean, probably not, not even not even so quietly, but you know, his WRC plus is back up to sixty one, which doesn't sound good, but it was like in the, <laughs> it was like in the single digits a couple weeks ago. So like he's been pretty pretty darn good lately. I think his uh, his his OBP in May is is like in the, the four thirty range, something like that. If I haven't looked it up today after after the game, and he didn't have a great game on Sunday, but still. Um, much, much better. And that's not a coincidence that the Braves are playing better. It's a couple of guys, but uh, he's definitely one of them. But I don't know. We have to talk about Freeman, even if we don't want to. Um, Freddie, for those of you who have been living under a rock is going to be out 10 weeks um, after, uh, basically have, he has a left wrist, non-displaced fracture, uh, got hit with a pitch on Thursday. Uh, yeah, no, sorry. Wednesday. I was there on Wednesday, actually, when this happened, it was weird. I was in the stands and didn't really know how bad it was because I was in the upper deck. And couldn't really tell. And then I saw Twitter explode and I was like, well, this is bad. Um, so, I mean, 10 weeks is a long time. He'll be in a cast for four weeks. Uh, some, you know, if, if you just project out the 10 weeks, it's somewhere in late July, which is post All-Star break. That's a very, very long time. Before we get to Matt Adams, I mean, this is kind of brutal, obviously. But, uh, I mean, what's it what's it going to be like for the Braves to play without? Uh, obviously, they're, they're best player by a uh, very, very wide margin here for at least nine or 10 weeks.
0: I'm surprised uh, how we came out and we took two out of three from the nationals. I we could have tanked, uh, in all honesty, and I really wouldn't mind it either. We got some talented draft picks, and you know me, I'm the minor league guy, or a minor league guy. So I'm definitely looking forward to next year, this year's draft as well. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, we have been playing well. Like we could literally just spoke about Swan, Swan, Dansby Swanson's playing well. I don't know what happened to Matt Kemp this year. Apparently, he just can't get out right like he's got one <laughs> yeah. like a 500 babbit. but i don't care if he if it keeps on going then who really cares right yeah i uh, mean
1: chem's been, been unbelievable man his wrc plus for the year after today after another good game today is 166
0: that's and, nuts and, and i yeah it's i looked it up earlier and like his wrc plus he's sixth among all national uh or sorry among sixth among all uh, outfielders His ISO is like seventh among all outfielders. He's up there. Well, let's be real. He's not up there with trout, but, you know, (laughs) he's in the upper bracket and it's kind of crazy. And then, of course, you got Flowers and Suzuki somehow leading the majors and, you know, uh, batting average, but contributions from a catcher, which is something I would have never been able to guess coming into the season.
1: For sure. I mean, obviously you mentioned the bad bit for Kemp, like it's in, the, I believe it's 418 at this moment. So he's going to cool off But the ISO. I mean, the power is legit. I mean, the batting average, the batting average is not at 346 or whatever it is now after today, 351 after today. That's not legit. It's never going to be legit at that height. But if he hits, if he has a, if he has a 500 plus slugging percentage, which it looks like even if he regresses pretty solidly, that's at least in mm-hmm. the cards. That it's looking like that. that's pretty, still a very nice player. Even with the defense and all that, he's He's uh, been exceptional, and uh, uh, it seems like I mean people were, people were firing off jokes about his time in San Diego, um, and even even the end in Los Angeles. It was like he didn't care when compared to now. And I, I won't say that, but something clicked with Matt Kemp in the last year or so, and uh, the Braves are uh, benefiting nicely. Even though even though he even though you know he might be overpaid still, but if he does this, then that that trade looks like the greatest trade in the history of trades.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a scenario for you. Let's say let's say Matt Adams plays decently well and then Kemp is still hitting this well coming to the trade deadline and you have the opportunity to trade Kemp. I mean, that's, I mean, he can't play the field, but he can play in the AL he's the way he's hitting right now. He makes perfect sense to be a DH. Uh, Do you sell? Well, that's, that's you definitely, you definitely sell, I think, but it's, you think he could fetch anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough because he's making so much money, and it's not short term money. I mean, it's two more years after this at twenty one point five million each. Like that's not that expensive. I mean, it's a lot of money, obviously, for a guy who, uh, as we kind of talk about at nauseum, can't play the field. But if he goes to the AL, then does it matter if he plays the field? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if you actually get enough for it to be worth it. And of course, I mean, Matt Adams would also be bad in the outfield. I think we probably can say uh, so. We actually had a couple questions about that today um, when I asked for mailbag questions about you know, whether it's time to sell high on Matt Kemp. I mean, I guess if, if somebody wants to pay for him as the current version of Matt Kemp, like as a top 20 player in baseball that he's been for the last year or so, um, then sure. If you want to do that, then uh, yeah, please, by all means sell. Uh, I, I just don't think you can find a GM that's willing to do that, but maybe. I mean, for instance, I mean, he got traded to the Braves. I mean, it was a salary dump necessarily, but I understood it from this perspective of, of the opposite team when the Braves required him because look, he was, he was fine in terms of power, but that was basically it. And now mm-hmm. he's doing more than that. And the bad app's not real and all that stuff. But if he's just a 35 homer guy with even with bad defense and bad peripherals and stuff, like that's still very useful in a league, even when offense up, like you know, not many guys are going to hit 35 home runs um, and just be even functional, especially if he goes to the ALL. So yeah, I mean, I would, I would try, there's no reason that, you, that they couldn't try. I think a lot of Braves fans would be upset if they did that because they just think, look, that's, that's our second best hitter. You can't trade him. I'm like, well, yeah, I understand that. But from a value perspective, I'd be all about at least trying to see what you can get. Not, not, in, not necessarily because of Matt Adams, just because you know if you can get more, more more for a guy than what he's worth, then you just do it.
0: I mean, you have Dustin Peterson returning to last, just a couple of days ago. And I will throw this out here. Matt Kemp's WRC Plus would be second among all DHs. And there so. it is. ALGMs, AL you know, and Carlos Beltran's not doing too well, and Houston's a good team. You know, I'm just throwing that out there.
1: You just need you, just need, you need a team that's, uh has money to spend because yeah. he's obviously not cheap. Um, so, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's too early to get, like, super deep into that. And, I, honestly, I can't <laughs> imagine the Braves – maybe if the Braves got bold – I can't imagine they're going to put Kemp on the market, like, publicly. That's not going to happen. No. But if they, if they got a call that's like – you know, too hard to turn down like a la the diamondbacks package that we all what do we all love to talk about. If they got a deal like that, they they have to take it. Even if it's a bad PR look, they just have to do it because, you know, Kemp is having a very nice season, but he's not quite this good, I don't think. It's probably safe to say. Mm-hmm. The four the four uh whatever it is, four eighteen bad bip is not gonna be sustainable. Man. Uh anyway, with that said, uh Freeman being out man, I mean, I don't know. It it's really tough because I think if you look at this lineup, even as well as it's played over the weekend, um, at least at times, uh, I, I I said this when it happened, and I think I'll stand by it. I think this is probably the worst lineup in baseball without Freeman in it. Um, that, that might be controversial, but it's at, at the very least its bottom five. I mean, even before the injury, uh, we talked about it last week on the podcast, but uh, Fangraphs sexually did a special thing for ESPN Insider that had the Braves at number 27, and that included Freeman. Uh, I think they're probably, it's either the Braves or the other Padres. For me, one of those two teams has the worst lineup in baseball without Freeman, so. Expectations would probably be lowered, even though the Braves are playing better. Do you? Th- How much do you think that matters in terms of you know sheer wins and losses? Because obviously you could look at his wins above replacement all those things and try to do the scientific model there. But I don't know. Ten weeks of Freeman is that worth two wins? Is it worth four wins? Is it worth more than that? It's kind of tough to talk about, but I guess that's just probably the easiest way to talk about it.
0: Yeah, it, that is that is pretty tough, and I think statistics. I mean, you know, using the metrics, four wins. Yeah, four wins. But I think it's gonna be, you know, projected out. It's gonna be a lot more because you, I think you hit it on the dot. I would say the Padres, the Padres lineup might be worse, but then you you combo that with the fact that I think it's uh, Jim Johnson that's leading the staff in WAR. You know, you don't want Oof. you don't want a relief pitcher leading your staff in WAR with that kind of lineup, and without Freeman, man, I don't know. My I projected out about seventy seventy four seventy three to seventy five wins is what I thought the Braves were capable of, and now you know ten weeks without Freeman, it's going to be tough, and I I I don't think they're going to hit that unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I mean they are they are playing better obviously this, over the weekend and really since the there was the sort of a dreadful stretch there, but aside from that, they're playing better. But I I said I said this sort of tongue in cheek at the time of the injury, but I said you know my condolences to anybody who who bet the over on the Braves win total of seventy four yeah. and a half. Uh, you know, five thirty-eight projections don't don't account for the injury, so I should say that out loud. But uh, as of right now, at this moment, they have a seventy-four and eighty-eight record for the Braves based on, you know, whatever, however their formula is, but that does not include injuries. I know that for, from the, from the NBA side, that they're not factoring in, you know, no Freddie Freeman for nine weeks or 10 weeks uh, based on that. So that's with him in the lineup. Uh, it has 74 wins. So, I mean, obviously there's some variance there and that's, that's only one place, but I've been sort of doing these roundups every week um, to talk about, you know, that sort of the five um, statistical models that I uh, sort of track with and none of them, at least before this week, have had the Braves anywhere north of 75 wins. So, If you knock off two or three, which I think is kind of safe, just with Freeman to his replacement. And we'll talk about Matt Adams here in a second, but I don't know. Just being without him, it's brutal. We all know it. Everybody sort of mourned Freeman's loss, so we're not breaking any news here, but it is a big deal when he's uh, easily the centerpiece of your team. And it's not like it's a guy who you have a ready-made, a ready-made replacement for. Of course, you do have Matt Adams now, which we could talk about and we actually should talk about. I um, mean, tra- it was the trade, you know, you know what was it 24 hours later, 48 hours later after the in- after the injury. And, um, you know, Matt Adams is interesting. Uh, he's making less than $3 million this year. He has control for next year, so it's not a straight rental. And uh, the Braves gave up one, uh, is it Yepes? I'm assuming that's yes. right, but you, you can correct me because you're a prospect guru. Um, you are correct there. Is that a reasonable um, trade for the Braves? Because I will admit, I do not I do not know a whole lot about Juan Lopez. Um It was sort of, uh, I don't know, some of the people that are more prospect-driven were a little bit more worried about this than I was because of the fact that it's not just a rental for Adam. That's something that's important to point out. But did the Braves overpay here? And uh, what do you think about the deal in general? From
0: a prospect standpoint, it, it does suck. I understand that it's impossible to project these players, especially someone so young. Yepes was one of our big signings a couple of years ago, one of our big international signings. Uh, I think it was a seven-figure deal, which was one of the first ones in, like, Braves history. So from that standpoint, it, it's tough because he has the physical tools that you want. He is a big dude, and he's capable, and he's looked good at third, which is so surprising. Uh he switched between third to first last year, uh, but apparently during like uh, during spring spring training, he he showed the wherewithal and like improved uh, discipline with his body, and he he's been really he's been playing well at third. Uh, he's a line. He's a very advanced hitter. If you look at his um, his MLB farm page, you know he spreads the ball out really well for someone so young. He he almost even distribution between left, center, and right, which was you know someone that's 19 years old you don't really think they're you know they have that kind of approach so from that point of view it sucks cuz he could be something special uh, you're talking about someone who could be a, a power hitting third baseman that also hits for average uh, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the speed but then you also have people like Kevin Maitan and possibly Travis Demerit moving back to third who have a higher ceiling or similar ceilings so I understand why they feel they felt that Yepes was uh, tradable, if, if that's the best way of saying it. Uh, and you get someone who you know is capable of playing in the majors right now. And that's just the problem with, with prospects. You never know if they're going to fizzle or not. So overall, I understand why the deal was made. Uh, we don't really have anyone capable in the farm of playing first right now. The when it first happened, I the first thought that came into my head was Tuiasosopo was coming back up, and Matt Adams <laughs> automatically is already better than Tuiasosopo. So yeah, I get it. It sucks because I like Gepes as a prospect, but he's still a prospect, and you don't know what's going to happen to him.
1: Yeah, that's why I, I wasn't in a hurry to judge the deal without talking to guys like you because you know you, you, you could box score scout Yepez and not love what you've seen from him over the last year or so, but it's a very small sample and you're talking about a 19-year-old. Um, so I would rather defer to guys like you who have seen him more than I have. So uh, that is unfortunate, um, and that's why I thought it was important to point out that it's not a rental because, you know, your first reaction is, oh, don't go, don't, don't go do this just to replace Freddie Freeman for 10 weeks, but Adams, as we talked about earlier, can at least feasibly play left field um, if necessary, and also, look, the Braves need a bench bat more than anything, to be honest with you, oh. so even, even, if, even if and when Freddie comes back healthy and 100% and there's not an obvious place for Adams to play, um, he'll be obviously your best bench bat by a large margin. We've talked about how bad the bench is ad nauseum, and <laughs> Adams can hit. I mean, he has a he has a career one ten WRC, wrc plus and uh, more than fifteen hundred plate appearances in the majors. Like he's not he's not this awesome hitter, but he's an above average major league hitter, and that's that's all you can kind of ask for for a bench bat. And obviously, you know, he's a he's a he's obviously the best guy was available because we were talking about scenarios where you have Jace Pearson playing first base or Nick Markakis moving to first base full time or whatever. I mean, you went to two houses so, but There's not really anybody in the minor, so this sort of a stopgap move. That's also a long-term move if it needs to be, and that's the. Mm-hmm. I, I like that's why that's why I liked it because you know he he is arbitration eligible for next year, so you kind of don't know what, what that salary is going to be, but this year it's very manageable, and I can't imagine it's going to go through the roof next year necessarily. And look, if he's uh, if he's good in this little stretch you can flip him at the deadline and probably get more or as much as you paid for him. And then you will just fill your gap for, you know, if not, if not, if he's not back by then, it would probably be seven or seven or eight weeks of Adams. And that's not the worst scenario in the world. If you can get kind of what you paid for him back, if that's sort of the downside. Uh, sign me up for that. It's fine with me.
0: Oh, totally. I think he's the perfect bench bat too, because of his splits being for his career, being so exaggerated, like a, 800 OPS versus a uh, right-handed pitching and then like a sub 600 versus left handed left-handed pitching. So he is a great bench bat and on a good team, he would be a great bench candidate. Uh, unfortunately for us, he's by far the best first baseman uh, in the organization, not named Freddie Freeman.
1: Oh, for sure. And listen, I mean, it's almost unfortunate. I don't want to say this. this is sort of going to come out funny, but if Matt Kemp was worse, you, you could platoon Matt Adams and Matt Kemp in left field. Um, mm-hmm. Then down the line, obviously that's not going to happen. Kemp's going to play every day until he just falls off a cliff. But um, that's just I don't know. Adams is not a good. It's not a good outfielder the, the Cardinals tried that briefly. It didn't go super well. But he can do that, which adds a little bit more value to, and uh, might be also sort of in the same vein as Kemp. If somebody in the American League looks and, looks down and says we want a left handed bat um, as a DH first base candidate, um, he might be interesting to go out and get. So. I'm all in the Braves are better now than they we're going to be two days ago. Um, obviously for the next eight, 10 weeks. And even after that, um, he's a massive upgrade on the bench versus really anybody. You now have a feasible, a feasibly scary pinch hitter for the first time this season for some while, honestly, because it was so bad as you're sort of, I mean, it's true. I mean, it's, it was so bad before that, that it doesn't, it almost didn't matter, but I don't know, man. Um, that's, I guess that's kind of all we have, all we need, all we need to say with my Adams, but I like the deal. That's sort of the big takeaway. And, uh, Prospect guys can mourn for than free Pez, and it sounds like you are as well, but um, it was we wish you got something useful. It wasn't like you just gave him away for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, um, sort of some other roster shuffling this week. Uh, Donis Garcia is on the disabled list. Uh, initially, Yohan Camargo came up, but now Rio Ruiz is up, and uh, Camargo's down, and they elected to keep Rio on the roster through, at least through today. Uh, through today, Rio is safe. I'm wondering how you feel about that, and also the fact that uh, Emilio Bonifacio... Cannot die.
0: <laughs> I honestly have no clue. I tried to think. Of, I tried to wreck my brain thinking about why Bonifacio is still on this roster and Camargo isn't because Camargo is okay. He's better. There's no. Uh, there's no gentle way of putting it. Camargo, Camargo is better than Bonifacio. Well, uh,
1: at least with at least with Camargo, you know he can play defense.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: That's one and thing you know he trying. can. Do. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I said that's one thing that you that you know he can do. I'm not really sure what. Bonifacio can do aside from, I guess he can be a pinch runner, but that's oh basically God. it.
0: People were trying to tell me that the reason this was done was to make sure Camargo got at bats all the time or every day at bats, which I, you know, I understand. But then you're talking about the quality type of at bats of major league versus AAA, and then he's still going to be better. You know, he, he could still find playing time in LA. I don't know. It makes the big league team worse which I don't believe is the proper way to field a roster. Uh, but perhaps I'm wrong on that. Uh, I, I, you know, Rio, he's, he's played well so far. Of course, it's only been like a, a couple of games or one game. Uh, I am terrified because I've watched him versus left-handed pitching and he's virtually unplayable. Uh, Versus lefties, versus righties, you know he mashes, and I totally, I totally get it why he played against Strasburg tonight or yeah today. Uh, But versus left-handed pitching, it's it's tough to watch. That's why I figured you'd have Camargo because you can actually, while he doesn't do well against lefties, I think they, I think he has a similar like, uh, 500 OPS versus left-handed pitching, 581 first lefties while Rio has a 560 so they both aren't good against lefties Camargo doesn't look like he struggles as much against them so I thought I thought for sure Camargo would be the third baseman with Rio back down in AAA so he can get more at-bats because he was at one time considered the third baseman of the future so I yeah long story short I don't understand
1: yeah, I was I was gonna ask you actually about Rio's long term, and it sounds like you are not super encouraged based on the splits. But I don't know Garcia. I mean, Garcia could be back relatively soon, and uh, the initial reports that it is were that he wasn't gonna be gone long. I have a little bit of fear that he's gonna come back and Rio's gonna go away and never never be heard from again. Uh, just because of the way that they've treated Rio so far. But he's up for now. I mean, what do you think is going to happen if Gar- when and if Garcia comes back, like maybe later this week, if, he's a, if it's a minimum stay, what happens then? Does Rio just go back down and you know, sort of business as usual, or is there any chance that they actually can get rid of Bonifacio?
0: <laughs> Let's hope they get rid of Bonifacio, and then uh, Rio stays up. Just platoon at, him. Right it makes no, I mean, just
1: platoon Ruiz yeah, and right. Garcia. It's so easy. Like, As, why?
0: Just straight up, Rio is a better defender than than Garcia too. So, at, with the bat, you could platoon him, and it make it would make a lot of sense. Uh, and then you get better defense on days where Rio's playing. So yeah, I, I I would I would totally do that, and I'd get rid of Bonifacio.
1: Do, do you think, I mean, you would know this more than I would, um, do you think, I mean, along the, along the lines of platoon, I guess the worry there would be that you're not giving Rio an opportunity to improve against lefties. Do you think he's the type of guy who can be your guy at third base long-term? Because, I mean, that, that'd that be the concern for me, the only concern for me in doing that would be if you really think that is going to be your guy long-term, that you need him to improve against lefties, and he's not going to do that just sitting on the bench of the majors.
0: So people are going to hate me for this, and I hope, I hope I'm wrong, and he makes me eat crow. I would love nothing more than that. I've seen him versus left-handed pitching for the last two years, man, and he's not good. And he's getting he's gotten as many at-bats as possible against them. And if you talk to some of the other minor league guys over at Talking Chop, uh, his approach has improved since last year, but it's gone from it looks like he's scared of the ball to he actually stays in the box, but he still doesn't know what he's doing against left-handed pitching. Uh, so no, I don't think he projects as the, uh, as your everyday third baseman, but I would love to be wrong. (laughs) Don't get me wrong.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's things that I don't enjoy saying on this podcast that I will still say and hope to be wrong (laughs) about, but, um, that's, you know, I kind of am with you on this and I don't think at, at the, at the very least, I don't think Rio's ceiling is so high that it's worth not, not platooning him now, if that makes sense. Like even if the light came on to a certain degree. He's just gonna be an okay option at third base long term. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I don't want really to see the ceiling to where you need to be like terrified about, you know, hurting his ceiling because of the fact that he's gonna be up too fast and not be hitting left handed pitching. I don't know. I just think he's yeah, gonna you, be more yeah. of a role player anyway. You
0: just can't expect an everyday, well, let's take that back. Matt Adams has had a long has had a decent career and he Fair. can't <laughs> hit left handed pitching. So who knows? <laughs>
1: It's tough. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Rio will be up for, up for hopefully the rest of the season, if you're asking me. And, uh, you know, he basically only have to survive one more thing. The problem is if Garcia comes back, um, there's some. There's the bizarre obsession with Bonifacio, even with Santana on the roster. So I guess I wouldn't be t- t- too comfortable with Rio staying around, at least beyond that. But uh, hopefully we're wrong about that. Um in terms of other roster stuff, and I, I swear we're, we're going to get off of this. There's just a long list of uh, news things this week. Uh, Eric Flaherty's on the DL with uh, lower back tightness. He's been bad this year, and apparently hurt his back warming up. Uh, not base, actually, not even warming up. Uh, basically, just running pregame the other day. Um, he's been bad this year. Luke Jackson came up, and there's been you know all kinds of shuffling in the in the uh, bullpen and recent days. But O'Flaherty, is is he just I guess the question is, is he just done? Because he looks he looks bad, the peripherals are bad, uh, walks, home runs, all kinds of things that you don't like to see. And honestly, it was a shock to everybody that he made the team anyway. He put together a good spring in terms of ERA, but aside from that, I didn't see a ton from him. How do you think about EOF right now? Because I mean, obviously, he's still on the team right now. is only on the DL for a short stint, but uh, could that be the end of EOF, potentially?
0: Unfortunately, yeah. I like the dude, but in that quote after... After the whole uh, Jose Bautista, Kevin Pilar thing, it was hilarious. That was funny. But he, yeah, he's not usable. And Luke Jackson's got a better, as a much higher ceiling. So I think I think this is the right move. And I think, I, I hope that the Braves stop yo-yoing Luke between starting and relieving. And it's the exact same thing they did last year to John Gant. And he went from, you know, a really solid start to a rocky finish. Let's just keep him in that relief role keep Luke on the major league roster and let him just try and solidify our bullpen a little bit.
1: Yep. I am hundred uh, percent behind you there. I haven't seen as much Jackson as you have, I'm sure, but uh sign me up for that versus the Eric O'Flaherty, the Eric O'Flaherty experience of uh, the other bullpen thing was the <laughs> trade for Enrique. I'm going to go with Burgos. It was not a pronunciation on baseball reference, so I'm sorry if it's Burgos, but uh 26 year old from the diamondbacks for cash considerations. Uh, we talked about this, you and I, before we started recording, it seems like he's just bad, to be honest. But uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. But there's not a whole lot to like in his uh, numbers that you could see. I will admit to never seeing him pitch, at least to my, to my recollection. But um, it's just sort of a peripheral move. Has this moved you at all? Um, obviously, I will say that his FIP in the major leagues is only 3.79 versus an ERA of 5.27. So if you're looking for something that's encouraging, maybe he's been unlucky. But he still walks 5 per 9 in the majors, which is something that I hate. So I don't know. Talk me into this if you want to. But I'm not a huge fan.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> during my like, I tried to do a little research on him, and he's apparently got a great fastball. It was like the best-rated fastball in the California League. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> but he, yeah, you're right. Like every nothing about any of his stats really scream out to you. Nine K per nine, maybe.
1: That's fine, but, but uh, no, not a league. He's walking.
0: Man. I'm looking at his, his stats at AAA, and he. Was walking almost eight per nine, so he's oh. not usable on a major league team.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned this before. Like, it could be just to fill a spot in Gwinnett, honestly. And
0: yeah, that's a- what I think. With with Luke Jackson back in in Atlanta, hopefully for the rest of the season, it makes sense to have Burgos down on Gwinnett.
1: Yeah, I mean, he and the fact that he's a major league pitcher before he was on the Diamondbacks for a, you know, a decent amount of time, that sort of made that bigger news. But, you know, if this if he hadn't had that, had the same numbers, it probably wouldn't even be something that we're talking about on the podcast, um, to be honest with you. So that's something to keep an eye on, but uh, I don't think he's uh, going to be a big part of the future. Uh, all right, let's get away from that. Um, one topic, one major league topic before we get into the minor league stuff that I wanted to you up on. Um, Scott Coleman, uh, our own Scott Coleman, wrote about um, trading Julio Tehran and kind of talked about whether it was time to do that. Uh, and then since then, Julio had another awful start at home. Um, his home numbers are awful. This year he has a 10.5 ERA at home in 24 innings. Uh, hilariously, his, his ERA on the road is sub one. Um, so it's kind of tough to t- t- figure out what's going on there beyond the park stuff. It's untrust. But, you know, 5.47 ERA, 5.28 FIP. This year he's walking too many guys. Um, I don't know. I I guess I'd just ask you whether you whether you think Julio should be a guy that the Braves are considering trading. And then beyond that, you can talk about sort of how you're feeling about Julio in general.
0: One, no, I wouldn't trade him right now because his value is at probably the lowest it's ever been. So why would you trade someone who reasonably could bounce back, you know, towards the end of the season and be what we normally have from Julio. So I would not trade him. I would, I wouldn't give him up for the lowest amount that you're going to get back for him. Uh, the other side of it, you know, I've talked to some people who who watch who watch him a lot closer and who are a lot better at, at analyzing pitchers or analyzing players in general. And uh, there was a lot of concern from them that, that he, he could be somehow hiding an injury because it looks, you know, uh, I can't remember exactly what they were saying, but based on how, like his leg kick and how he was landing, it's just different from previous seasons. So they weren't sure if maybe he's like, harboring a small injury and that's what's contributing to it so you know no i wouldn't trade him he's also one of my favorite prospects for the longest time he's been one of my favorite players on the braves for the longest time so that aspect of it would be just like disheartening i've already lost jason hayward uh, who was my my braves crush for the longest time as well so julio being dealt would not be nice to me and uh, you know just on the other you know the the real reasoning behind it would, would be i wouldn't trade him because again if this is the lowest his value has ever been and it just makes no sense to do it
1: yeah i'm with you 100 percent on that i would have felt that way even if he was pitching well to be honest i i've, I've always thought that his contract and how cheap it is yeah for, oh yeah for, for this yeah. team like you need to keep them like, i mean even if even if you think julio a number three starter that's incredible value on his contract. So, like if he's if you think he's gotten lucky when he's been good, um, and he's just sort of a guy that it's still a huge value and I would, I would keep him unless you just get bowled over and listen, for better or worse, like you need him to be better this year obviously, but he's still far and away your best pitcher. I mean, unless things have just gone so wrong I and mean, over the small sample I'm not willing to give up on Julio based on what we've yeah. seen for a long track record. So, even even if you love Folty, um, Julio is your best pitcher. So, if you want to win it all this year uh, or even next year, like you're not gonna be able to revamp your whole rotation with all these, young, all the young guys who are a lot of fun. Most of them are a couple of years away. So if you want to win anytime soon, you need Julio Tehran. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I've always been with it. But especially now your point is a good one that uh, this Rocky start is not going to, uh, it's certainly not going to increase his value. Maybe if he sort of lights out here for the next stretch and listen, if you look at the numbers, he's been really unlucky at home and really lucky on the road. So, the hilarious splits are just kind of what they are. It's going to come back to the mean on both ends. Um, but I don't know, man, I, w- I definitely wouldn't trade him, but it's, it's worth, it's worth talking about. And by the way, in the end, Scott wasn't arguing to trade him. That's the funniest thing about it. People just, when, when you see a title of a post, people assume that you that you want to trade him. And Scott basically said, no, I wouldn't trade him, but it's worth talking about. And people keep asking us and asking me, I'm sure they ask you, um, what you think about it I wouldn't do it but it's obvious I mean with the way that copies handled things basically everybody short of Freddie is untouchable I mean is uh, is touchable so to speak Freddie's really the only guy and I guess Dan's be now those two guys would be untouchable everybody else is available so I get to talk about it I just wouldn't do it
0: same I wouldn't do it
1: and there you go um all right well let's talk about some minor league stuff man uh obviously this is not my area of expertise so I will defer to you but um, one thing to sort of get the conversation started. Uh, this is actually about, about a week ago now, but I have a note, I have a note to talk about it last week that I just didn't talk about it. We ran out of time. But the, the Baseball America Top 100 got an update, uh, I believe, like eight like eight days ago. Um, the new top, top the new top 100 includes Ozzy at number eight, Colby Hour at 28, Mike Sork at 44, Ian Anderson at 60, Ronald Acuna at 62, which seems really low. Uh, Kevin Miton 71, Sean Newcomb 72, and Luis Gohara at 94. That was pre-injury for Gohara, by the way. Um, anything to scream at you as being crazy there? I think I, I, I voiced my opinion on Acuna being very, very low in my opinion on that list. But uh, anything else crazy, or do you disagree with me on uh, on Acuna, perhaps?
0: No, I think you hit it. You, you hit it on the dot. It makes sense. I, I would imagine the only thing I was a little surprised about was Freed not making the list. I think Freed's a, a better pitcher than Gohara. Uh, <laughs> So that was, you know, that was my only thing. Maybe perhaps they're thinking, their reasoning behind it was he's struggling this year, but every time I watch free and he still lights out and he was on it last year. So I, I, I believe uh, Acuna, you know, you could totally make a case where he needs to be in top 50 and he's absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. So whatever. I think by the end of the season, he'll be, he'll be top 40 or at least the preseason for next year. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's out
1: of his. He's out of his mind. I want. I was going to ask you about him in general, and then I'll tee you up for some just general stuff that you want to talk about. But what do you think about Acuna? Just in a back I mean, I know people listen to you guys' podcast, The Road to Atlanta, which we should plug, and we'll do again later. I'm sure you talk a lot about Acuna on the podcast. But for this <laughs> for this audience, uh, I guess just talk about him in general because. Uh, he's obviously getting a ton of buzz, probably more th- more so than any other ma- uh, minor leaguer this year because of the numbers just being incredible. But what have you seen from him? What what can you expect moving forward? Obviously, he's still super young, so I know he's I know he's far away, but people want to talk about him being up this year like crazy stuff like that. Talk, <sighs> talk people off the ledge to a certain extent. But tell, us, tell us about it, can you?
0: Yeah, absolutely not. He's definitely not ready. He still struggles with off speed uh, off speed stuff at times. Uh, a little hesitant uh, against the the curve. And sometimes take some bad swings or uh, bad approaches against, you know, a changeup, which understandable dude's 19 years old. You're not going to be a polished hitter by then. A big thing going into, or at least in Florida, was his diminished walk rate. And then he finished, and then he gets promoted. It was down to like like 6%. And he's always been a, a career, by career, I mean two years. He's always had a walk rate of over 10%. And then he moves up to, double A where you you end up facing higher quality pitchers and his walk rate's almost up to 20%, which, you know, whatever. I I don't get this kid. He's way too talented for for his age. If you want to know about him is your your true 5 tool player, he's got a a crazy arm. He hits for power. He's going to hit for average. He's got crazy amounts of speed. Uh, I want to say he's got, like, yeah, he's got 23 stolen bases already. Uh, he could be a legitimate 2020 player in the majors. I think that's more than fair to say. Uh, he there's a lot to like, and if you haven't had the opportunity or you don't have MILB TV, get it just to watch him because <laughs> his at bats are fun. He okay, so I'm gonna go a little deep because the it. concern with the with the off speed stuff really really was. A little, not scary, but it was, you know, brought back my point of view or my, my thoughts behind him. Uh, I watched his first at-bat, uh, and I analyzed his first at-bats uh, when he was promoted to Mississippi. And the kid, I don't know what happened during spring training, because he went from looking in the, in the Australian Baseball League where those same concerns, you know, carried on, he goes to spring training this season. Now we get to watch him in Mississippi, and the guy won't swing at a curveball that's not in the zone. And it's just, I, I don't get how he knows. He will straight up just take a curve that's like half an inch off the plate, and he knows it's not a striking. He doesn't swing. So that's only hyped me up more about him, which is really bad, because I have to keep hammering it into my mind that he's 19, and he's not going to be like Andrew, where, you know, Andrew was let's probably rushed up. Uh, but performed well, but doesn't necessarily mean it was the right move.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- that's the compromise. Oh, oh, everybody that everybody that wants to see Acuna sooner is going to say, Oh, look, Andrew did it. Or Rafael for call did it. Yeah. It's like, well, those guys aren't typical necessarily. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm with you all the way. And I, I don't know, it's good. It's good to hear some deeper stuff. Cause that's not, that's not what I'm going to be able to give most of the time, but uh, everything I see and everything I hear from you guys and Eric and, I don't know. I'm super excited, but I do want to tell people to just kind of relax a little bit in terms of just how fast he can move because even the, even the best guys usually don't move quite as fast as people want them to move.
0: And for anyone that's going to bring up his really inflated BABIP, it is going to just be high because he just hits the ball all the time. And he, then he runs really fast. Like it's going to be high. So
1: some guys are, some guys are going to do that, especially guys that can run yeah. like he can. So, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I was going to just ask you sort of open-endedly, I mean, is there anything that surprised you? Any big takeaways you've had from the Miami system? Obviously it's been, I think by all accounts an encouraging start to the year for the entire system as in general, but is there anything that's been good or bad? I mean, kind of just sort of dealer's choice here that you want to talk about in terms of something that's impressed you or surprised you so far this year.
0: So the, the, some of the, here's a good thing and a bad thing. Everyone has questions about catchers and the, and the organization and, uh, Cade Savik has come into the season he's played so well I, I still think most of us over at talking chat profile him as a as a bench or as a backup uh, catcher which you know might happen but right now he's he's doing really well he's he's sporting a, a 760 OPS in Mississippi like nothing amazing but you know certainly not bad and he's already probably your best catching uh if something were to happen catastrophically to one of flowers and Suzuki, and then, you know, Wrecker gets hurt. Savik would be your number one choice to go up there, which is kind of not the greatest thing to say, but he still performed well. Uh, Brett Cumberland, who was a draft pick, I think two years ago, has one of the strangest uh, stat lines I've ever seen. Dude is Got, he's hitting like 215, but he's gotten like an 890 OPS because he's sporting a walk rate of like 20 percent, and he's gotten hit by pitches like 13 times.
1: <laughs> what?
0: Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. He's he's this year's Ray Patrick, I guess. But yeah, he's he's getting on base, and you look at the OPS, and you're like, oh crap, maybe you know he's got things figured out with the bat. But then you see he's got a 215 batting average, you're like, oh well, I don't exactly know how to evaluate him as a prospect. Uh, I think the whole thing right now is probably the ascension of Carlos Franco, who I, he's not a prospect. He's not a prospect. He's like 25 years old, but uh, he profiles as a pretty solid hitter. He he squares up the ball really well. He cut down his strike rate, his strikeout rate a whole lot. And he's, his line drive rate is way up this year. And it's turned in those line line drives to turn into home runs. And he's got like 13 on the season he ended up getting promoted to Gwinnett for the first time, uh, so he's playing AAA for the first time. I think he's 25 years old, and he becomes like a possible bench option later in the season because he's got some pop. He's got a he's got a good plate discipline for the most part, and he's got a good approach to the plate. So he's you know he could possibly find his way. And he's usable at third. I think is the best way to project his defense. He's more of a first baseman than he is a third baseman. So if something happens with um, uh, with Matt Adams, you might see Carlos Franco up at first. There is my bold prediction.
1: Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, no, <laughs> I mean it's funny. I I'm confident that I've not said the words Cade Zavik or Carlos Franco in my entire life outside of <laughs> at least uh, at least in recorded form. So a couple of names to keep an eye on. Um, so yeah, that, that's exactly what I wanted from you. So I appreciate that. Uh, we did get, trying to go unconventional. No, I like it because uh, I feel like we do. I do feel like some of the time that we talk about the same guys over and over again, it's it's because they're really good. So it's not like it's a bad mm. thing. But even at the, and of course, the guys who are closer to the majors get more time get more time than others as well. But good to hear a couple of names that uh, people are not super familiar with. Maybe they'll go and research on their own. Uh, we did get one question that I wanted to tee you up with, and it's about uh, one of the more famous guys, Ian Anderson. Um, Patrick Mollett asks, does Ian, Ander- does Ian, Ander- does Ian Anderson pro- profile as a guy with control problems or just bad luck recently? And he has a 5.4 uh, walk rate this year. It's only eight starts, but sort of concerning, although the strikeout rate's way up as well. So maybe that's not the worst thing in the world, but you've probably seen him more than I have. So I will, t- I will defer to you.
0: No, no, he, he's struggling right horrible. now with his, uh, with his fastball command, just a lot, just a little bit. And he'll hammer that away because this is not really normal with, with, him as a pitcher it'll be fine it'll go it might be like a little more but at max he's like a three to 3.5 uh walk per nine uh walks per nine kind of pitcher he's just struggling he's got a little control problem with his with fastball and he's hanging up he's hanging his curve a little more than normal but yeah it's like no
1: and there it (laughs) is uh (laughs) <laughs> by the way, he, by the way, he turned he turned nineteen on May second, so uh, Not a whole lot to worry about with the interception. I do want to ask you one thing, specifically about the high minor stuff. And it's honestly the question I'm asking everybody when they come on. So, uh, who do, who would you who do you think would be the best pitcher right now? If something happened to Cologne or Garcia or Dickey, and the Braves had to go with one of these guys, who would you just for purely this year only? Honestly, do you think Sims, Whistler, or Blair would be the best? Uh, i know it's sort, uh, it, it's, sort, it's sort of depressing but it might it, i think it's going to actually be a thing that matters so that's why i'm asking people this
0: if you listen to you know the road to atlanta podcast yeah get the plug
1: in probably, I like
0: it. you probably heard my thoughts on sims and i i'm not sure how he's doing it because i watch his starts and his fast his fastball is still straight crazy fat uh flat uh, he's got a great curveball and his changeup is okay, but his fastball is just seems so hittable. Uh, and I, I honestly, I'm not sure how he's succeeding as much as he is because right now he's like lighting it up. He's doing an incredible job down in the Gwinnett, uh, but because of what I've seen from him from his starts, it's a little concerning. Yeah, I know that was probably not the answer most people wanted to hear. Uh, Whistler has been just. Townright awful yep In in Gwinnett from a pure stuff standpoint this is really I never would have thought I'd say this but it'd probably have to be Blair
1: which is crazy I think that's the guy that's the thing that I would have said at last a couple weeks ago even but like yeah I don't know I mean I, I, on the bright side with Sims you know Sims is the most intriguing because we just haven't seen him so I think people are just tired of Whistler and Blair and, and with good reason because Blair has obviously been awful in the majors when he's pitched and Whistler's just been bad everywhere recently uh, since mm-hmm. at least you know, he's a local product, people know who he is and he's not, he's not made it there yet. I will say in his defense, his walk rates way down. So if, if that's sustainable, maybe, maybe there's something there, but, uh, if you, you've obviously well, if seen it more than I have, but I don't know. That's encouraging to me at least.
0: I think one of the huge things, one of the reasons why his walk rate is really far down is it looks like he overhauled his entire like pitching motion. He's instead of, if you, if you've seen like videos of him when he was younger and coming in is, His delivery was so like fluid and and nice, and now it's like super mechanical. So I think he's getting the results he wants to get. However, with, with his pitches and location, however, you know his fastball as soon as it comes out, it's straight. It's going in one direction. It's not moving vertically. It's not moving horizontally, and he's missing his location some with it too. But maybe it's just the quality of opponents down in AAA, and if he faces major league talent, that fastball is getting hit a little harder. I'm I'm not sure. I just haven't been impressed by him. That's, you know, who knows? Uh, I want to be wrong about him as well. And I want him to come up and just be like dynamic. Cause like you said, local product. he'd make a, such a great story, but I personally, I I don't see it happening.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you, but uh, hopefully we're wrong. Uh, of course for first round pick too. So we'll, we'll see, but uh, he'll always be famous until he arrives. I guess the will I don't know. I'm scared to even ask this, but Sean Newcomb maybe by the end of the year. No, no. Yeah, no.
0: Out of out of the four of them, Newcomb has looked the best, and he's looked like a he look he looks like the prospect that was the number one prospect over in the Angels organization. And honestly, if I had to choose right now, 100% Newcomb. He's looked he's looked good.
1: I was hoping that'd be your answer because he's obviously the best prospect and the most intriguing, has the best arm, all those things. It's just. It's not. It's not always been consistent, but if you if you're liking what you're seeing, that encourages me in a big way. Uh, the numbers are yeah, pretty good I, too. So
0: I was just I I picked Blair out of those three. But oh, I know. If I, had I mean, an opportunity, yeah, 100 yeah,
1: I feel like Nukem's like in a different class almost, which is why I didn't include him. Just because uh, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I, he's more. He's actually a prospect, and <laughs> the other three really yeah. are. I mean, if you get anything anything out of the other three, then you're you're winning. I mean, Nukem's walk rate's still too high. But if he's gonna strike out eleven per nine, which he's been doing this year, that that doesn't matter quite as much. I don't know. He's st- he's getting older, but like it's only. I feel like it's only because all the other prospects that the Braves have are so incredibly young that we think of Newcomb as old. He's still twenty three. Like he'll be, be twenty four in, in like less than a month, but still, like he's not. He, he's not actually old.
0: No, not at all. He, he's looked by far the best out of all four, and I want him in the Atlanta rotation. The walk rate is high, but that's just who he is as a pitcher. And if you walk someone and then strike out the side, whatever.
1: <laughs> Is it going to happen, though? Do you think, like, bull prediction time, if he stays healthy, do you think he makes an appearance in 2017 at some point?
0: I do. I do. Okay. Just because R.A. Dickey and Bartolo Colon, there's nothing really there that makes you yeah <laughs> excited.
1: I'm, uh, I'm fully with you. We did see some encouraging stuff from Jaime Garcia on Sunday, which was nice. I,
0: yeah, I do like him as a pitcher, and I'd be surprised if he's not flipped for for something because i think he's a he's a very usable pitcher for a a playoff or a pennant chasing team
1: yeah i think he's the most intriguing by far those three well uh thank you sir for joining me i will please uh i would encourage you to uh, again plug the podcast and anything else that you'd like to plug because uh our minor league guys are the best i say that even when you're not on the podcast so people can vouch for me on that but uh, we have the best minor league team in the business and uh yeah team, team, anything up any, anything up that you want to uh, all your twitter stuff do all of that now
0: oh well well thank you for the con words uh like brad said you can follow the podcast over at uh, road to atlanta that would be the um road uh, at road number two atlanta uh if you want you can follow me on twitter at, at gv deck but all i really do is make gifs of minor league players and tweet out dad jokes so if that's your thing you might want to follow me
1: and it is and it, I, it, and it is my thing so do that by far <laughs> <laughs> no you're a great you're a great follow especially especially when the Hawks arrive because you're, you're a Hawks guy too so
0: I am oh man Atlanta United too oh goodness I'm, oh yes like, yeah I'm not in love I'm not, with that team
1: I'm not a soccer guy I'm starting to not that I'm getting the bug but I understand why people get it because I know the atmosphere's been crazy, and this is a soccer town. Even though the Braves, I'm sorry, the Atlanta hasn't had a soccer team until now, so I think I might at some point get into it a little bit. I'm not just—I don't really love the sport very much, but the atmosphere Mm -hmm. and sort of the way that um, the city is revolving around it has been fun so far. Even just even as someone who's not a big soccer guy, I've watched some soccer, which is noteworthy for me because that's not a sport that I enjoy, but it's been fun.
0: It has. I've I have I have season tickets for Atlanta United, and it has been one of the most amazing. Uh, atmosphere is well no not almost it is the most it is the best Atlanta sports atmosphere probably ever it, it's up there with a Falcons playoff game
1: uh yeah and I've listen I've heard the same and I believe it just because of all the stuff that I've heard even though it seems crazy to me but I get it man it's it's a lot of fun and uh I'm gonna make my way down there at some point so uh, I'll say it up to you when we do it Cause, uh, and I won't be covering it, which would be nice. I can just be a fan. Most things, <laughs> most things these days I am uh, working, at least to an extent. But I won't be there because I have no clue what's going on in soccer, so I cannot analyze it at all, which would be nice. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for joining me, sir. I really appreciate it. Um, again, follow follow Grav and follow all of our minor league guys. Really follow, follow our whole staff and also follow the Talking Chopper really good. as well. Yeah, really good guys. Uh, We'll we'll be back next week, as always. uh, I'd encourage you to to subscribe and listen to, and subscribe, download and listen to Road to to Atlanta. Those guys are awesome. If you like the prospect angle, I try to stay up on the podcast as much as possible, too, because I learn a lot. It helps me do my job other places. So there's that. Uh, As for me and everybody else, we'll be back again next week. Thanks as always for listening, and we'll see you in uh, you know six seven days. Thanks.